Well, good morning, everyone. I greet you in the name of Jesus. It truly is good to be together this morning, too. Worship our great God. Start out with a history question. Which one of you can tell me just a little bit about uh, King Louis XIV? King Louis XIV, ruler of France. Anybody know anything about King Louis XIV? You know, the truth is that most of us struggle to, to tell you who our great-grandparents were. You have to think, you have to think that through. I mean, who are your great-grandparents? And when you get back further than that, it's like, yeah, we got to go to the books. We're not sure. But I want to, t- t- uh, f- as an introduction, I just want to use King Louis the 14th this morning and talk a little bit about his life and it'll tie into the message as you'll discover uh, later. King Louis the 14th was uh, king of France and he was he was known as Louis the Great also known as the Sun King it was a, a name that he ascribed to himself and he ascribed the name of the Sun King to himself because he was like uh, he wanted to be known as dependable. The sun comes up every morning, sets every evening, and it's very powerful, and there's no life without the sun, and he was just, he's the sun king. He, was, he began to rule at the age of five. I'm not sure how that works, but uh, five years old, he became king of France, and he was, he was the longest known ruler of any nation, even uh, as of today. He ruled for 72 years. And the only person that's come close to that is Queen Elizabeth, who passed away not too long ago, and she ruled uh, the UK for 70 years, so she got within two years of it. But King Louis XIV ruled for 72 years. He was uh, just a little bit about a normal day in his life. A day, his day started at 8.30 when uh, a head valet would show up in his bedchambers and say, Sir, it's time to get up. And uh, immediately he had his two doctors pay him a visit to make sure he was okay and uh, come through the night all right and that he was healthy and what have you. And then after the doctors said uh, everything's good, why he had what they called the getting up ceremony, which lasted for uh, it was either an hour, an hour and a half, something like that, where they uh, ten people came in, men came in and helped him to get prepared for the day, washed and shaved and what have you. And then there was as high as a hundred men would come into his bedchamber. It must have been a huge bedchamber. And he would eat his breakfast there with all these people in uh, attendance. And after this is the ceremony's finally done, he's ready for the day, he would go outside and walk over to the chapel. And there was always crowds of people outside waiting for him. The chapel service started at 10 o'clock and people were outside handing him notes and bowing down to him and what have you as he went into the chapel. And he'd come into the chapel at 10 o'clock and the choir had a new song prepared for him every day. A new song was composed and uh, something that was never sang before and it was uh, prepared for the, for the king every day, King Louis Fourteenth. And so after the, the chapel service, which lasted about an hour, uh, he would return to his chamber where he held some type of a council meeting. And then at 1 o'clock, he would eat in his bedchamber all by himself. He had lunch uh, alone. 
Sometimes he would invite guests in uh, to share with him or be there while he ate. But then from two to six, he would give his orders and decrees for the kingdom. And he would also either go for a walk in the garden. Some days he would go hunting or fishing. He would have people take him on excursions and what have you in the kingdom. And it's kind of a, of a free time there in the middle of the day. And then from 6 to 9 in the evening, there was always indoor entertainment, which uh, he had people uh, assigned to entertain him for a few hours. And then at 10 o'clock p.m. was the royal dinner, where there would be a huge dinner and a feast at 10 o'clock at night. And at 11.30, they had another, then they had their last ceremony of the day, and it was a going-to-bed ceremony, where again, there was lots of people prepared him for bed and uh, it was kind of the opposite of the getting up ceremony where they tucked him in for the night. And so that was a normal day in the life of uh, King Louis XIV, uh, Louis the Great as the world knew him by. He ruled from seven, 1715, or, or no, from 1643 to 1715. So it's actually just a little over 300 years that King Louis uh, passed away and was no longer with us. King Louis the Great, or uh, the Sun King, died at the age of 77 years old. And at his funeral service, which was held in the, in the chapel there in France, they had this, it was a huge service, and it was held uh, in the evening. It was dark outside, and it was dark in the chapel, but they had one big candle lit up front where the, where the priest was having the service. And after the service was done, the priest went over to symbolize the life of Louis the Great, and he snuffed out the candle and plunged the sanctuary into, into darkness. And out of the darkness came a voice, and the voice said, Only God is great. How true that is. Only God is great. Louis the Great, after 77 years, also passed away. And... Even though he was known as Louis the Great, the great sun king, in the end, only God is great. And we listen to that or we, we read that in history and we say, you know, that's crazy. Why would anybody add the great to your name? Uh, you know, Lester the Great. Really? Uh, no. We, we wouldn't even think, we would say that's, that's crazy. But do you know something? In our old nature, every one of us, uh, deep down in our fallen nature lies a desire to be someone, to be somebody, uh, to be known, to be thought highly of. It's, it's there in, in our old nature. I believe it's just it's a part of, of, being a, of being a human being. You can ask the question, is that wrong? Uh, somebody, somebody's a farmer, they would like to be known, and they'd like to be a good farmer, and they'd like for people to think well of them and say, well, that guy really knows how to farm, or, or whatever occupation it is, or, uh, or uh, somebody that's good at cooking or teaching or building. You could go on and on and on. Is it, is it wrong to have a desire to be good at what you do and, and to be known as have a reputation for for being good, uh, yes and no. The, the, the Bible is very clear that uh, what's really important is a person's character. 
in Proverbs 22, it says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And in Ecclesiastes, it says, A good name is better than precious ointment. And so it's, a, it's good to, to have a good name and to have a good character. And it's a good character that gives a person a good name. But uh, an account from, from the Gospel of Matthew that we're all familiar with was when, uh, when the mother of James and John went to Jesus and they said, hey, how about uh, James, she says, how about James and John can sit one in your right hand and the other on your left when you come into your kingdom? And she was wanting a position for her sons, something she could be proud of, something uh, she'd feel good about. And we, we know the story, people were, uh, their other disciples were disgusted that she would even ask something like that. But you know, the truth is that deep down in our fallen nature, there's a desire to be somebody, to, to have people look up to us, to have a position. Uh, the, and the same way as King Louis XIV had that desire and, and pushed that throughout his life. In uh, the account there of, of uh, James and John, their, their mother, Salome, coming to Jesus and asking. Jesus responded this way, and you need not turn there. We'll go to our text right after this. But this is how Jesus responded to her request. He, uh, but Jesus called them unto him and said, ye know, not the princes, no, ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister or servant. In verse 27, and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And so Jesus' true greatness is found in where? In servanthood. And that is expressed through our lives when we become spiritual. As, as born-again Christians, we have a desire to serve others. And, to, and it, it rises above our human nature, which wants to be great in itself. And now we can go to our text. And our text this morning you had in your Sunday school lesson, or we had a few weeks ago, I believe. Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, and I've titled the message, A Name Above Every Name, Philippians chapter 2, and let me start reading at verse 3, 3 through 11, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath ex highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, 
and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The name of Jesus is a name above every name. And something that each one of us needs to know and remember and to understand. And this morning, I have five points I want to quickly go over as we think about the name of Jesus. And the first one is, it is a powerful name. Secondly, a sacrificial name. It's a conquering name, an exalted name, and also, and lastly, a saving name. A name above every name. First of all, I just want to think about the name of Jesus being a powerful name. Do you know today when, when you and I, uh, at least I think you're probably like I am, I don't know, maybe I should speak for myself, but when I think of power and a person being powerful, my mind quickly goes to where? It goes to money and politics. It goes to people uh, like King Louis XIV. He was a, a political powerhouse, so to speak. And today, when I just marvel as I, as I watch and observe the political realm in the world, and especially in the United States, since this is where we live, I, I marvel at, the, at people's desire to be a ruler and the, the agony they go through to, uh, to become president of the United States or a senator or a congressman or what have you, to have, a, to have an important position in government. And it's, uh, I've heard it said already that, that it's impossible to get there unless you have this deep burning desire within you to make it and just to put your whole life into it to make it happen and to become somebody uh, important, somebody of power. And the other one is uh, people that, you've heard it said already, like uh, money is power, and so people that are very wealthy tend to have, uh, tend to have power and can do things that people uh, that are not wealthy cannot do. When I think of, uh, think of powerful people, when it is, especially in the realm of finances, I think back to when I was a child, and there's different people I could think of, but like, for example, PJ Hydraulics on King Street, where CM High is located now. Back in the day, that was, I remember when they built that big place there, I thought it was huge, and, and the guy was doing a lot of government jobs, and, uh, and then PJ Valves, I guess it was called, and then he built this mansion up on Hilltop, uh, road, which is still there today, but it's all grown up in weeds and what have you. It's not nearly what it used to be. But back in the day, it was like, wow, this guy really has it. Or you could think of uh, Carlos Leffler and his fuel, fuel business just was growing, growing, growing. And after a while, there's CR mini markets all over the place. And after a while, Carlos Leffler's flying a helicopter. And I'm out chasing the cows in off the pasture, and he's flying over in his helicopter. It's like, wow, I'm a nobody. This guy's flying around in his helicopter. This guy's really an important person. And uh, he also built a really nice house outside of Richland, and, and it's like, this guy really has his, he really knows what he's doing. A lot, of, a lot of influence and power here. And that was not too many years ago. Just go back 40 50 years ago, this is all happening. And today, 
Uh, like I mentioned, PJ Valves is CM Highs there. Uh, the mansion's grown up in weeds. Carlos Luffler's pretty much is dispersed, and maybe a little bit of it remains. But there's an archery shop where the office used to be. Uh, Mennonites live in his mansion, and they have a greenhouse outside. And it's like, it's like everything just it it's, doesn't last. It does not last. It cannot last. Uh, you can have, you can build a name for yourself. You can be uh, King Louis the Fourteenth. You can have people bow down to you and call you the Sun King. It will not last. It's not enduring. It cannot last, but for a short time. And here we are, three hundred years later, and we don't even remember King Louis the Fourteenth. King Louis the Great. We don't even know who he was. Most of us don't remember Carlos Leffler, and not long ago. And it's just, it's the way it happens. It's the way it works. And so, we can, a person can build a name for themselves and, and be very important and have a lot of influence, have a lot of power, and yet it's for such a short time. And we can, can also think of uh, among us as, as Anabaptists, there's a number of over the years, there's been a number of, of very important people. One of them that I, that I think of is Marion's, one of Marion's long uh, gone relatives. Marion has some shirk blood in her, in case you didn't know that. And there was a Joseph shirk. You can buy a book today. I forget the title of it, but I think we have the book. And it's, uh, I've read it already, about all the inventions that Joseph shirk had. He, and, he invented the revolver. And he's, he's in a train one day, headed wherever, and he's playing with this uh, six-shooter that he invented. And the guy beside him is like, wow, that's impressive. What's that? And he's like, well, this is, I use this to shoot rabbits. And he's like, oh, well, what, that, that's amazing. Did you patent it? And he's like, no. Well, are you going to? No. Well, I, could I buy it from you? No. It's, I just, it's my rabbit gun. And the man goes home and, and uh, makes the revolver and patents it. And his name was Mr. Colt. And so thus with the Colt revolver. And later, Joseph Shirk, after he's seen, and you read, read about the Old West and all the people that got killed with, uh, with revolvers, why he regretted that he ever even invented or ever even made it. He felt like it was used for so many destructive things when he simply wanted to use it to to shoot some rabbits. But Joseph Shirk was also that intelligent that he was, he was a, like, when it came to surveying, he was just a genius. And I forget which European country it was, but people came over from Europe and asked this Lancaster County Mennonite farmer how they, they wanted to make a tunnel under some mountain, and they wanted to know, they wanted to start at both ends, but they didn't, they wanted to make sure they came together in the middle. And they didn't know how to do it. And they come over to Joseph Shirk and ask him, how, how could this be done? And he said, well, let me figure it out. And he figures it out, gives them, gives them the, the surveying capabilities to do it. And they went home and they did it. And it held out to like within an inch or something. It was amazing. And he wanted no credit for it. He was like, no problem. And it's just a God-given ability and, and uh, brains that, that Joseph Shirk had. And there's other people like that as well. Uh, Ed Nault invented the Nodder for the Baylor, and, and so many things like that have happened. And yet, they were like, not wanting recognition. And, 
and you know that some of that stuff is only is actually within the last hundred years and so quickly forgotten. It's like whoosh, it's gone, forgotten. And they really had a name for themselves and did some very important things. And yet, in, in comparison to Jesus Christ, who has a name that is enduring and powerful forever, uh, it's like nothing. It's just a very, very little on the scale of importance. In Philippians 2, chapter, in verses 9 through 11, it makes it very clear that the power of Jesus has never dis diminished, diminished, and someday soon everybody will feel that power. This, our text today makes it very clear that every knee is going to bow before King Jesus. Every knee shall bow before Jesus. His power is amazing. He had the power to create the world. He has had the power to change the course of history. He has and maintains power over death, disease, and the grave. And it will always be that way. The power of King Jesus is absolutely amazing and not even worthy of comparing to anything that mankind may have accomplished. Secondly... The name of Jesus is a sacrificial name. Jesus sacrificed all the glories of heaven where the angels waited on him hand and foot and sang his praises constantly, crying out, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts. There he was in heaven. And the highest of heaven became the lowest on earth. He comes down to earth to sacrifice and to suffer and suffer like no man has ever suffered before King Jesus did on our behalf. He truly, when you think of the name of Jesus, it is a sacrificial name. You think about that, at least when I think about it, I think how awful in the sight of God is sin that his son, Jesus, sacrificed the way he did so that the power of sin could be broken so that he could make atonement for it and undo the influence that sin had on mankind. A sacrificial name. Thirdly, the name of Jesus is a conquering name. You know, Jesus never, ever lost a battle. Jesus always conquers, always, never loses. You think of, uh, of Satan tempting him in the wilderness. Jesus won. Think of, read through the Gospels all the time that the scribes and the Pharisees and others came and tried to destroy Jesus in their de by debating him and trapping him and what have you. Jesus always won. You can go to the Roman cross where they crucified Jesus and again, Jesus won because Easter morning came and the tomb was empty. Jesus was victorious. Jesus is a conquering name. Jesus is the only one that can conquer the old nature that is embedded within us. We need to know that. Many of us have experienced that. Jesus is the only one that can conquer that old nature that wants to make a name for itself, wants to be somebody. 
Jesus can conquer that and give us a nature that has a desire to serve others and be a servant to him and surrendered, have, live a surrendered life to the Lord Jesus. A question I have for each one of us this morning is, have you, have I, been conquered by Jesus? Have we been, have you been conquered? Has Jesus conquered you? Has Jesus conquered the old nature that resides within you? The answer to that question is actually very simple. If you want to know the answer to that question, there's one place to go to, one, one thing to think about, and that is that a conqueror, the very, by, by very nature, a conqueror will always control. Somebody goes in and conquers another country, why do they do it? They, they want to control it, and they control that country. And if my old nature has been conquered by King Jesus, if he's come and conquered my old nature, then he controls me. And so if your life and my life is controlled by Jesus, that's evidence that he's conquered us. And we've experienced his conquering power in our life. And that is the only way that leads home. That is the only way that leads to glory. A person can spend their whole life trying to build a name for themselves and be somebody important and do important things. And if they were never conquered by Jesus, they will soon be forgotten and, they'll, and they're, the, the, everything is lost. But a person that is conquered by King Jesus will be controlled by him and they will live eternity uh, with him. The Bible says in Romans 8, 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So we cannot claim to be the sons of God or to be a child of His unless He is truly leading us and leading our life. Fourthly, the name of Jesus is an exalted name. Uh, it wasn't Joseph and Mary that gave Jesus an exalted name. God the Father gave Jesus an exalted name, a name like no other. Twice, Jesus or God said from heaven, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus had the stamp of approval on his life from his father. And Jesus fulfilled his mission here on earth, which gave him the exalted name that he has. We think of Jesus today, and we think of his, his ministry here in this world, and we say, it's just incredible. And he has, Jesus truly has an exalted name by uh, his own, by, by his father proclaiming it on him and by Jesus living up to it and, and doing what God, what his father sent him here to do. You know, there's, uh, the opposite of that is there are people in this world, uh, there's people that are born with a good name, maybe they come from a good family, and they end up totally ruining it and, uh, and, and doing the exact opposite of what Jesus did. But no, Jesus uh, fulfilled his, his calling and his good name became even better, if at all possible. He just, he just has an exalted name. And lastly, Jesus has 
a saving name. Romans 10.13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say he might be saved or could be saved. It says, shall be saved. A person can call upon their goodness. A person can call upon their good works. A person can call upon their traditions or their religion. But you know what? There is no salvation there. Absolutely none. Absolutely none. I heard recently of a church group in western Pennsylvania and that they were having some problems in the church and they had another ordination and, and they had a, a new bishop was ordained. And uh, he quickly said uh, that uh, they strengthened their guidelines, so to speak, and they said the brims on their hats must go from, uh, they, it was two inches, they have to go to three and a half inches. You know, that is sad, that is so sad, that is that is, there is no salvation there. There is no, there is absolutely no salvation in, in the, the width of the, of the brim on a person's hat. And it's not going to solve any problems. How sad. But, but you know, the truth is that uh, we need to be careful that we don't get caught up in that type of thing. That there's salvation, that there's somehow salvation in the things we do. There is not. Salvation is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Call upon Jesus and there is where salvation is found and there only. The name of Jesus is a saving name. There are cults all over the world and cults right among us where people are calling out and, and uh, either, they're either depending on good works or some false religion. And, and they, they think that there's, they're going to find salvation there. But our text this morning makes it very clear that it is in the name of Jesus. Wherefore God also hath ex highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. So whenever, whenever anybody talks about salvation or a way to be saved that is not the name of Jesus, it's false. It's not true. There is no salvation found anywhere other than in the name of Jesus. It is a saving name. And the good news is that he will never let somebody down who places their trust and confidence in him, never. And I, I've, I've been so amazed at that over the years. The people that, uh, it, it doesn't matter what color a person's skin is. It doesn't matter uh, how much money they have. If they have a penny to the name or if they're 20000 in debt, it doesn't matter. A person that calls on the name of Jesus can be saved. Doesn't matter who your parents were or your grandparents. Makes no difference. Anybody who with a true heart calls on the name of Jesus can and will experience salvation. What a God. What a, what a saving name. And apart from that, there is no salvation in any other in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22, it says, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. 
For I am God, and there is none else. And how sad that so many people look to all other places, so many different places, and for salvation, and there is no other. He has a name that is above all names, and he is mighty to save. And you know what would be, what would be so enjoyable? It would be so enjoyable to have uh, each one of us here this morning who's born again to come up here and just to share our own salvation, what, how God saved us. And our stories would all be different. They'd all be different, but they would all have one common thread, and that is that when we call upon the name of Jesus probably after many weeks or months or years of struggling and, and resisting it, but when we finally call upon the name of Jesus, he was mighty to save us. And we experienced this amazing transformation, and it was because we call on the name of Jesus, and his, and his only, is a saving name. He will save us. He's been doing it for thousands of years. He's been saving people. His name is a name above all names and he truly is saving people and he will never ever let anybody down. This morning if, if you're here and you're not saved, what I want you to remember beyond a shadow of a doubt is that there is no salvation in any other, none. Salvation is only found in the name of Jesus. He truly is a name above all names. And it, there, there and there alone can, can a person find salvation. And I urge you to put your faith and your confidence and your trust in the Lord Jesus. It is, a, it is truly amazing. The plan of salvation is that simple and yet that complicated that it messes with the human mind, I think. And, and people uh, just have trouble figuring out how it could possibly work. And I cannot explain exactly how it works other than that I can explain that when a person surrenders their life and lays their life down and surrenders to King Jesus and says, Jesus, I surrender to you. I will serve you, and, and uh, I want you to save me. I want you to come into my heart. I want your Holy Spirit to move into my life and take up residence, and I will follow you all the days of my life. That Jesus transforms a person like that instantly, right like that, just instantly. And it's amazing, and it is what we know as salvation. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, I urge you to get saved. You can do it alone in your bedchamber. You can do it with friends. You can do it with your parents. You can, you can ask somebody to help you. But truly, Jesus' name is a saving name. And a person that, a person that experiences salvation has everything going for themselves. Everything. King Louis XIV, the sun king, King Louis the Great, at 77 years old, he, lived a he had lived a life of luxury and lavishness and people bowing down to him. But at the age of 77, he died. And I assume all was lost, everything. 
300 years later, we don't even remember him. But a person that is born again instantly becomes connected to the family of God and begins to experience eternal life here in this world in such a beautiful way. And when we close our eyes in death, if we die before Jesus comes back for his church, we are instantly with the Lord and uh, all will be well throughout eternity. And so I hope that's where each one of us finds ourselves this morning ready to die, ready to meet the Lord. And the, the only way that can happen is through the name of Jesus. So this morning, I just, I just want to and hopefully have lifted up the name of Jesus. There is salvation found no place else. It's only in Jesus. Don't waste your time looking any place else. And if, if for those of us who have found salvation in the name of Jesus, let's keep lifting his name on high. Uh, Nate led the song, Highest Place, uh, right before the message. And that, that's where it's all at. Truly, Jesus is the highest place and there's no one else worthy of our worship. Let's stand for a closing prayer and dismissal. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence with us this morning. I thank you for Philippians chapter 2 and we recognize you this morning as having a name that is above all names. Lord, there are so many paths that people can travel and many of us have traveled those paths looking for salvation and finding them to be empty and futile and nothing there but the name of Jesus is truly a powerful name and is, is the play, only place that one can find salvation. Lord I thank you for saving so many people. I thank you for reaching down and, and uh, taking that old nature, that sinful nature, and making something beautiful out of it, saving souls and, and giving people spiritual lives, having the Holy Spirit move in, take up residence in our hearts and lives, and giving us hearts that have a desire to serve others. So opposite of what we see in the world today, in the realm of politics, in the realm of of influence and finances and people pursuing greatness in so many other areas and it's all so vain and so empty. I just thank you this morning for Jesus and for the great name that is his and his alone. Thank you that in that name we, we have found salvation and we can live lives filled with joy and peace and contentment uh, among uh, this this world in which we live, which is filled with wickedness, and uh, we see so many things that dismay us. But thank you so much for spiritual life and the way that you have blessed us, your children. So we leave here this morning, Lord. I just ask that your grace, your mercy, and your peace would be our portion. We love you, and we thank you for coming and giving your life so that we could have and experience life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.